Okay, having had a time of prayer, I would like to sing together again to prepare for our study, the sixth petition with Thomas Watson in his book, The Lord's Prayer. And uh, what I'd like to do is sing Psalm 121 first and then Psalm 123. Can you handle two psalms? Is that all right? I, I'm going to end at 8 o'clock no matter what. God helping me, okay? So, <laughs> but I think it's nice to, um, to warm up in God's songs as we prepare for a study. And um, I'm thinking about last week, uh, we, we thought about, we sang Psalm 101 and how David says, I will protect my eyes. I won't let my eyes go to the wrong things, right? And we're thinking about this with the study of lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. The sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, how he teaches us to pray. And it's the last part of the prayer. In some ways, almost seems to be the most significant. In terms of a petition, it does close with, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. And remember, the larger and shorter catechism teaches all through the Lord's Prayer. And you might want to go back and look at that for resources. I did preach through the larger catechism, including that section. I've also preached through the Lord's Prayer when we went through Matthew. So those are all available on sermon audio. So I'm going to try to stick to the script with uh, Thomas Watson. But those resources are there. So last week, we're thinking about where we will not set our eyes. But it's important also to think about where we will. And that's where I want to go tonight. So similarly, we talk about killing the old man. And that has to come first, the mortification of the old man in us. The new man in us in Christ, we have to vivify. And so we have to set our eyes where? On God, on Jesus, yeah. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? Hebrews 12. But Psalm 121, we're very familiar with, has another idea of where we will lift our eyes. And then I want to go to Psalm 123, that also talks about that. I gave you some sermons on that too when we thought about it. It's interesting, in two sermons, two psalms close together, it talks about lifting our eyes. And in a sense, going higher and then higher to the Lord, to El Elyon. So we'll sing Psalm 121 on page 286 together. Let me give you the tune. Da, 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 da. No, that's not right. No, I think that is right. Sorry. Da, 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 da. Sorry, I got the wrong tune in my, in my head. Let me get this out of my head. I to the hills, da, 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 da. I'm sorry, I can't get this tune in my head. You got it? Get it for me, please, yeah. Da, 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 da. Thank you. I couldn't jog that other tune on my head. They start similarly. Thank you for saving me, Rachel. Okay. Uh, can you start us? Because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up again. <laughs> I to the hills will lift mine eyes from whence doth come my aid. My safety cometh from the Lord who heaven and earth hath made. Thy foot he'll not let slide nor will he slumber turn ahead, Passover Psalm 122, although we love to sing that all the time, right? We open our time in worship in the morning. I joyed when they said to me, to the house of God, let us go. We sang this in the men's study last night, and I pray for my brethren, not just thinking about myself, I pray for others. That's love, right? Not just uh, seeking itself. But we skip over to Psalm 123, which is briefer, 
Psalm 121 says, I lift mine eyes unto the hills. I always like to think of the hills. We have that benefit of the hills to help us think to lift our eyes, to lift them up higher. Where does my help come from? From God. But you know, when we're struggling and we don't think we have any help, where do, we, where do our eyes tend to go? On the ground or on our navel, <laughs> right? And they need to go to the Lord. And the hills help us think to lift our eyes up. Now here, it says go even higher. God's higher than that. Shows he's the most high God, El Elyon, and he is the most, he's the all-powerful God, El Shaddai. So as we said with the kids recently in the radio program, there's nobody higher, there's nobody stronger. We lift our eyes to him in our help. Where's our help come from? The Lord. And we have to lift our eyes up to him and remember to do that. And uh, okay, so Psalm 123 goes higher. The heavens. Let's lift our eyes up to the heavens where he dwells, right? Between the cherubim. And I do remember this tune. That might have been why I had trouble with the other one. Da 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 da. Oh, thou that dwellest in the heavens, I lift mine eyes to thee. Behold, as servants' eyes do look their master's hand to see. As handmaid's eyes her mistress had, so do our eyes attend upon the Lord our God until to us he mercy send. O Lord, be gracious to us, unto us gracious be. Because replenished with contempt, exceedingly are we. Our soul is filled with scorn of those that at their ease abide, and with the insolent contempt of those that swell in pride. So I want to remind you of this because, like any Puritan, and Thomas Watson's no different, he's going to be thorough in his study. So we're going to be studying what temptation is and how Satan tempts us for a while, because I'm going to really be good at ending on 8 o'clock, so we're not going to get through as much in one sitting. So it's going to be a while. We're going to be thinking about some negative things. We're going to get to really good and positive things, focusing on God. But I want to remind you what we sang Psalm 101 last week. We take our eyes off the temptation, but that's not enough. We lift them up to the Lord. So remember that. We're going to get there. Hang in there with me. And even, even as we go through, we'll touch on some things like that. But let's have that be our focus we kill the old man, and we vivify the new man. We lift our eyes off sinful things, but we lift them up to God and his holiness. Okay? Otherwise, our eyes will go right back to the floor. Okay? All right. So, we are going to now return to Thomas Watson, his book, The Lord's Prayer. And we are going to pick it up where we left off. So, before I pick it up, do you remember what we studied last week? Mr. Lemon's shaking his head. He's setting me up. I was almost going to say, you don't remember anything? Yeah, why is Alec? He wasn't here. Okay, so there's still a test for you. Okay, um, so what did we learn? Where does temptation come from? That's where we studied, right? So the first thing is, where does it not come from? Right, book of James, God doesn't tempt anyone. And he goes on to say, there's two places, and James answers one of them, where does temptation come? By the way, temptation isn't sin, Temptation is the enticement to sin. Okay, that's the distinction to remember. I think I blurred that a little bit last week. I wanted to make that more clear. Uh, temptation comes from where? Not from God. He allows it. Uh, it Shannon? Huh? Evil. Evil, yeah. Now, it's interesting to say that. The evil one. So that's, the, so that's hinting on... There's two places that temptation, particularly Satan, Satan and what? And the, and the flesh, right. So from within... James says, our own lusts. It's really our heart. Jesus says, right, Matthew, all sins come out of our heart, right? And 
And so we want to be praying, Lord, create in us a clean heart, Psalm 51, right? But then also, uh, you said evil, that's right, because Jesus says, what do we just say? Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And I think Thomas Watson will say, and it's argued that really the idea is the evil one, because he's the one that's tempting us, but also that we wouldn't do evil. Remember we, uh, so let me remind you that the sixth petition is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. That's what we're going to give a lot of study to with a lot of other scriptures and thoughts. But, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I remind you, we also looked at 1 Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. It was interesting that, <clears throat> excuse me, the prayer of Jabez had the same petition to close his prayer. And it says the Lord answered his prayer and he was more noble than his brothers. Interesting. And, uh, uh, we summed up the whole prayer when we looked at it a while ago in a sermon, help me to live an honorable life, a life that honors God. But that includes, he says at the end, keep me from evil. And then he touches on an important reason, that it wouldn't grieve me. Of course, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit and quench the Spirit, but also grieve ourselves, right? Okay. So that's where temptation comes. Not from God. It comes from within in our lust because we're born into sin because of the fall, original sin, we all are born corrupt. And even when we're saved by Christ, by the Holy Spirit and his blood and his perfect life, we still have the old man we're battling against, right? And uh, that, that heart that needs to be more purified. Now in heaven, it'll be perfect. It's going to be glorious, right? In heaven, we won't sin. We, won't be, we will never give in to temptation. And there won't be any temptation. Satan won't be there, right? And our hearts will be perfectly clean. But we're in the process of sanctification now. Okay, so we left it off with, uh, therefore, we need to remember we have such a need because of such a great danger to pray not to be led into temptation, okay? So we pick it up from there. The next thing I've highlighted, and again, I'm mostly sharing highlights from the book uh, and um, thinking about these things, a welcome conversation, welcome um, uh, welcome uh, anything you might want to say or questions, okay? And just raise your hand to catch my attention. Mostly, it's nice and polite, but mostly just to get my attention because once I get rolling, I, you know. And by the way, if it's 8 o'clock and I haven't stopped, raise your hand with your wristwatch on it, okay? I got a half an hour. Turn around, okay? <laughs> okay. I do try to pay attention. But, so I'm welcome both those things. But here's where we pick it up. Don't hesitate to ask a question, but I, I will try to remember to pass the mic so everyone can hear and it can get on the recording. If you're not comfortable with that, you know, you don't have to, but maybe you can ask some, tell someone else to ask it for you on the mic so everybody can hear. Okay, temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Again, it isn't sin. It's the uh, trying to get you to sin. Okay? He says, temptation, Thomas Watson, temptation is compared to a dart. Now, we're not talking about the darts like the kids like to play over in the kitchen. Those darts are magnets. Now, I suppose if you throw it hard enough at me, Gabriel, you're going to hurt me if it hits me in the head or something, right? But it's not going to pierce me. I don't know, maybe, maybe if Mr. Learman throws it at me, it might dent me. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, or Abraham. But yes, Isaac. Yes, in fact, it could be translated arrows. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says we need the shield of faith, right? Because Satan is sending the fiery darts at us all the time. Arrows are flying at us. So, but, but the old darts, do you guys remember when the elders and my family and, and Chad was with us in Chattanooga for Presbytery this summer? No, General Assembly. They had the old kind of darts, which made me nervous with a bunch of kids, right? The sharp darts. Yeah, Shannon's like, ooh, exactly. You understand? Kids and darts, not a good combination. Thankfully, we made it through no big problems. But those sharp darts, right? Now, this is temptation. It is compared to a dart. But here's the biggest reason. Because it is shot suddenly. You don't see it coming, right? Darts are flying kind of fast at you, right? You can be... And then all of a sudden, you turn on... Right? And I mean, it's just you don't see them coming. You've got to always keep your shield of faith up. And the scripture he gives is what we're alluding to. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. We're going to just let this... Study through the book, give us an opportunity to go through a number of scriptures as he presents them to us. Uh, Ephesians 6. We're going to look at verse 16, but I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, so after Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, uh, General Electric Power Company, Ephesians. I always use that little tool somebody taught me. After Galatians, Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 6, verse 16. And of course I turn to chapter 1, so let me go to the correct chapter now. Okay. 
And what I'd like to do is um, start with verse 11. Let's start with verse 10, just to get the context, because our verse is kind of the climax, verse 16. Well, what's the reference again? Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. But verse 16 is the main verse, okay? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now notice, that's what we're focusing a lot on. How does Satan tempt us? That's going to be the big part of the study for weeks. So we got to be ready with our armor to stand because the devil's trying to tempt us, okay? We've got to put the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Before we continue, that's the reality, Christian. That's the main thing, okay? Uh, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Notice this emphasis on being able to stand against attack, right? Uh, stand therefore, again, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Quench the fiery. Notice, not just darts, fiery darts. You see those things of like, you know, the older times when they would battle, the arrows are flying not just on their own, but they've been dipped in stuff and they're flaming, right? Why? So if it hits a hut or something, starts all this stuff on fire. Well, what did we hear last time? He, Satan, can blow a spark of lust into a flame. So go to watch out for the lust within us where temptation comes. But Satan knows how to come and turn it into a flame or those arrows that pierce and get into us and get the fire going. So they come. The, the real main thing is you just don't see them coming. We're always in danger. He's, you know, when you've just had a victory, when you've just made it through something, don't let the shield down because the next arrow is already in the air coming at you. Yes, Rachel. Right. So he's playing it up with this, this yeah, that's what I think we're getting at here. Yeah, so he's thinking of that imagery of the times, right? So uh, if you know that arrows are flying at you all the time, would that affect the way you behave yourself? <laughs> I mean, let's just think about it, right? If What, you're going to illustrate? Don't be shooting arrows at me, right? Okay, sorry, Mr. Learman, yes. Yeah. Always. Uh, can I say something? And, and, I, and I'm going to be careful. I did preach on this text a while ago. You can go listen to the sermon on that text. The person that requested it should have taken it more seriously. Because you don't keep that shield up, that next arrow is flying. And it doesn't matter how many Puritans you can quote and how many scriptures you can quote, you've got to keep the shield up. Those arrows are coming at you, and you don't see them coming. Okay? And frankly, if we're not careful, we'd become an easy target, right? I mean, if you, if you know something's easier to hit than others, like if you're trying to win something at the carnival, you go for the, I'd go for the easy win, you know, <laughs> the, easy, the easy target. So uh, that's what Satan does. He's not stupid, and we're going to see how he goes for the easy way, and you've got lots of different ways to do it. Keep your shield up, because it's a fiery dart. It's flying in the air, and you see an arrow flat. You ever see an arrow shot, right? Okay, so we've got to keep the shield of faith up. Temptation is like that. And that's why we're a lot of times... Okay, but let's get back to the illustration. Thankfully, Mr. Learman wasn't going to illustrate by throwing something at me. But let's pretend he got the darts and came in here. Like, if I'm just walking around... You know, and I don't think any... No, Isaac, don't throw that pen at me. Thank you. Okay. Um, if I'm not paying attention, I'm going to be mincemeat, right? I mean, it's crazy. If, if, if I'm walking around and somebody's shooting arrows at me, you think you might say, hey, watch out. Hey, duck! You know, you know. Well, this is our life. This is our life. And when we're Christians, there's a target on us by Satan, right? 
And so we've got to recognize. And the problem is we don't walk around life that way. Where, oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, you should have been looking by now, right? You've got to learn to keep the shield of faith up. And, uh, you know, I'm preaching to myself. We all know this. Yes, go ahead. One more quick thing. Okay. But I've got to warn you, I always have long answers for quick questions. But go ahead, yeah. Okay. I should really pass the mic. Sorry, let me get you on the mic. Can you guys pass the mic around? Because it's, it's a lot easier for everybody to hear, since we have it. Okay, so the reality is, mainly we have a mic, so I want to use it. But I'm going to, also, it does help everybody here. Go ahead. <laughs> so the other thing that came to mind was, we can't always hold our shield up alone, right? Hmm. A lot of the time, so um, that's when we call on our brothers or sisters in Christ to help us. Yeah, I was almost going to challenge you, but two things come to mind to, to, to say amen to that. First of all, what do we hear about in the scriptures a lot in the Old Testament? There is a shield bearer, right? So you can use the sword and protect your, your vulnerable area, right? So that's true. And he's going to get into, I don't know if we'll get this far tonight, we might. One of the dangers of temptations is being alone. Yeah. And we don't really go to battle alone, right? <laughs> Excuse me. And if you know you're going against a guy with arrows and all you've got is nothing, you know. I'm probably going to try to find somebody else bigger than me to come with me, right, you know, or going down a dark alley at night. I'm not going by myself, you know what I mean? Okay. Okay, so uh, back to the notes here. The next thing he shares is uh, Satan's power in tempting appears by the long experience he has acquired in the art. Satan is really experienced. He's got a lot of practice. He's really good at this. And we're going to learn at the different ways that he's so good at it. But what we've got to recognize... Yeah, Shannon. Sure. Uh, yeah, let me flip back so I stick to the script. Satan's power in tempting appears by the long experience he has acquired in the art. He's very experienced at it, right? So it's kind of like... Well, and I, I wrestled in high school, right? And I went to a wrestling camp one time. And I went out against, a, I'm pretty sure I can remember his name, maybe not his last name, Steve. He was from Brockport, New York. I'm from Webster, New York. And I really didn't want to go, like it was, it was a, I think it was a tournament, but it was like a camp tournament. I didn't really want to do it, but I did it. You know? Anyways, I go out there, and man, this guy mopped the map with me. I mean, I couldn't do anything. He, he just, I was, it was pathetic. I think some of his friends did actually laugh at me. Now I got better. I was eventually captain of my team. I didn't do too bad in my senior year. But at this time, I, I don't know where I was in my progress, but the point is, he was very experienced. He was a state champion. Yeah, so I'm like, why do I have to go wrestle this guy? You know, you know yeah, go ahead. Huh? Or train sniper. Yeah, you don't want to train sniper shooting at you. You need to, yeah, you need to take, you know, run for cover. So the, the thing we need to remember is, you know, we are no match for Satan. Now, don't forget, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But you need to understand your enemy. It's not a joke. And uh, one of the things, when I did a little article on, on Luther, one of the things that I highlighted I think we can appreciate from Luther is he had a really keen sense of Satan, how hard he's trying to get us, and how good he is at it. He also gives us lots of remedies and not to be uh, fearful, but he is, what's the scripture say, roaring, uh, prowling as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's pretty strong language, you know. Uh, we'll look at other things the scriptures say, but the main idea is he's really dangerous because he's really good. It says art, like he's he's mastered this. Uh, one second, I'll call on you, Melissa. Thank you. Uh, if I forget, just raise your hand and throw something at me. Um, but not a, not a dart. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, is just try to get in our heads. So he's been doing this since Adam and Eve, and we're going to learn all the different ways he's so good at. But he's extremely experienced. He is so good at being subtle and crafty, and we don't even know he's doing it. See, the darts are, are swift, but they're also, we don't see them coming because he's so good at disguising them. If we see it, we let our, we let our shield down too many times, and say, oh, it's coming, you know, because he's so good at disguising these things, too. He's really experienced tempting us. Go ahead. Did you have, oh, I thought so. Oh, sorry, yeah, Melissa, I almost forgot. Sorry. No, my thing is that, Well, I want to be careful to to visit that in terms of details that I I, I would have to freshen up on. But he okay. he is kind of the head angel so that he fell. Knows. He wanted to be God, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. So he knows all the righteous things 
what God has for us. So I feel so from my point of view is that He knows how to use that, but that's how He uses it so yeah. He's so smart because He knows what hurts God so He's gotten so good at Yeah. Well he can't hurt God but he can hurt us. Yes, yeah. And and here's the thing, Watson's gonna talk about he even uses good and holy things to make us sin. So we'll talk about that too, yeah. Okay, thank you for not throwing anything at me. Okay, next thing I'm going to share with you uh, from Watson. Okay, so he says, consider Satan's subtlety in tempting. So we're going to look at different ways that Satan's so good at tempting, remembering he's incredibly experienced. Consider his subtlety. The Greek word for tempt uh, signifies to deceive. He tricks us. He lies to us, but he makes it sound great, right? The temptation is... Uh, as we saw in the in the in the quote by uh, William Secker in the in the Sabbath last Sabbath bulletin, the deceitfulness of sin is its delightfulness. We love it at first. We wouldn't do it otherwise. <laughs> we say we hate it later, but it's really sadly too often the consequences that we hate. We got to hate the sin and pray that God helps us hate it. But Satan knows how to make trick us, and sometimes make, oh, that's we don't even realize it's a sin. Sometimes we do, but you know. There's all these issues, but he's so subtle at tempting us. He's a deceiver. I, I think it would be good to go through. Linda, you're raising your hand? Okay. Can I get the mic on you? I know you don't like it. I won't make you sing, but we've got to be able to hear you. Is that okay? Or can Ron ask it for you? Um, don't be shy. Here comes the mic. Angel of light. Yeah, he's the angel masquerade. He's masquerading as an angel of light, right? And we're going to get to that more specifically. But I want to focus right now on some scriptures. He's a liar. And by the way, one of the big things he lies about is that we're not forgiven. We can't be forgiven. Because then we will not turn to God. We'll run away from God. And we won't be saved. Or we'll live a miserable, despair life because we don't think we can be forgiven. He will tell you, you did it again. You can't go back to God. Are you kidding me? Again? You can't go to God. That sin, that's a whole... You, maybe that sin, but this sin, you, you can't go back to God now. You know, He, he lies. He's an accuser. We have to remember, we have an advocate in Christ representing us, okay? And I always like to say, <clears throat> I'm already interrupting myself, but thinking of the word advocate against our accuser, a deceiver, he's telling lies also to God about us. But Jesus is there as our mediator, the only mediator between God and man, the man, men, the man Christ Jesus, as an advocate. And that's, that sounds like a word for lawyer in Portuguese, right, Mama? Advogada? Did I get that right? Oh, yeah, I got a thumbs up. I always like to joke, avocado. No, avocado. <laughs> That's kind of how I cheat to remember. Yeah, an advocate and lawyer, right? And the word for lawyer in Brazilian sounds like that, advocate, a representative. And Jesus is there representing us, saying it's true about, often it is true, but that's false. But the truth always is this, I paid for that with my blood. I paid for that. I have paid the penalty. And... Uh, we, Satan tries to trick us and make us think we've, we've used it up, I mean, and there's no more mercy, okay? Okay, so let's just look at the fact that he's a liar, and when you recognize you're often battling Satan, and he's so subtle to trick you and make you think wrong about yourself and grace and the world and, and, and temptation, he's a liar. He will just lie to you, but he's subtle, and so his name means... Uh, the, oh, excuse me, the word tempt means to deceive. He's a deceiver. Turn with me first to the Gospel of John. We might not get too much further than this tonight, although I intended to, but uh, uh, there's a few scriptures I'd like to look at just to see this, just to recognize what we're dealing with, and uh, therefore to remember we go to Jesus, who is the truth. Okay? God speaks the truth. So John chapter 8 Uh, verse 44. Now, Jesus is talking about something broader than this. This is not the focus of his subject, but it does reveal something to us. Okay, So we don't want to get distracted on the context so much. The context is always important. We're going to focus on something he says in it. Uh, Ye are of your father the devil. He's speaking to religious people, by the way, the religious leaders, <laughs> who's, who's really uh, said a lot about in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar 
and the father of it. Satan is the father of lies. He says, so by the way, when you lie, you're just acting like Satan. Remember that. Um, he is the father of lies. He lies because he's a liar. That's who, he's, that's who he is. He wants to be king. He pretends to be king. But Jesus is king. But he's going to lie. And uh, notice, he's a murderer from the beginning. Why? Because he lied to Adam and Eve. He deceived them. They sinned against God. And it brought death. And it will bring eternal death in hell unless we turn to Christ, who is the truth, to save us. Okay, so he's a liar. Uh, I want to take you to a few scriptures in Revelation, but I just alluded to Genesis 3. Um, he deceives. He deceives Adam and Eve, and that's what leads to death. Okay, because sin, the wages of sin, is death. The punishment for sin is death. Trans, sin is the transgression of God's law. Sin is disobeying God. And Satan tricks us to rebel and disobey God. He deceives us. Oh, maybe that's a good idea. God said that, but you know, you mean you got a point there. And uh, Matt, and remember, she listened and she looked at these things and keep our eyes on Christ. Okay, uh, so uh, turn to Revelation. We're going to look at a few places. Revelation 12. Now, Revelation 12 is showing the story between the first and second coming of Christ. Really, it all is in different ways, but from different vantage points. But uh, Revelation at the end of the Bible, uh, chapter 12. <clears throat> Now, this is showing the war between Satan and his kingdom and Christ and his church on earth, okay? And uh, you see that he's there waiting to devour the, the Christ child coming out of the church. And because he can't, there's a war in heaven. Satan is thrown. He loses. But he's still roaming this earth trying to hurt the church as much as he can. And we talked about that last week. He, he hates you being happy as a Christian. He wants to make your life miserable. If he can't make you uh, go to hell, he wants to make your life a living hell as long as he can, okay, with his temptations. So that's kind of the, the main idea, section of Revelation 12. But I want you to look at verse 9 with me. Revelation 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent, and brings you back to Genesis. Now, Melissa, though, you have that, that, that sense there of he was cast out of heaven, right? Jesus said in the Gospels, I saw Satan cast out of heaven, right? Like lightning. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan is a fallen angel. He's the leader of the fallen angels. He's cast out, but what does it say? He's the serpent. He, what does he do? He's the devil. He's Satan. He deceives. That's what he does. He's a liar. He deceives. Temptation is deceiving you to sin against God by breaking his law and not obeying his holy, his holy ways. He's always tricking you. It's always deceit. Oh, go ahead. Did God really say... By the way, that's the way it always starts. Did God really say? You know? Okay. Um, turn to chapter 20 with me. Now remember chapter 20, Satan is bound during the, between the first and second coming of Christ with a chain. He doesn't have the influence he used to have in the world as the church advances. But he's still dangerous. He's on a chain, but he's still a dangerous dog. Right? You don't want to get too close. He can still have his effect. But God, uh, because Christ has come, he has bound the strong man He's not able to have the influence he did before. And uh, with that in view, we still learn about him. Verses 2 and 3. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So between the first and second coming of Christ, Christ is uh, holding him back on his ability to deceive the world like he used to. And the truth of the gospel can go and save people. Okay? Darkness, you've seen a great light, all those things. That's the gospel right now. I know it doesn't really feel or see like that, but it happens. Christ is advancing his kingdom. He has limited Satan's ability to do what he used to do. And... Uh, but what we're seeing is, what does he do? He deceives. He deceives people. He lies. 
makes us do all kinds of horrible things, and we justify it on lies ourselves, the lies that he feeds to us. Okay, so we need to recognize he's a liar. Um, now look at verse 10 of Revelation 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's part of the encouragement for us in the end, is that Satan is thrown in the lake of fire, the new heavens and the new earth. Satan will not be here as a principality. He will not be roaming the earth seeking to devour. He'll be gone. He'll be suffering. He'll be thrown in the lake of fire. He won't have no more influence. This is why we remember when Jesus came, the demons were really active, more than usual, because they knew he had come, and they said, is this the time? Not yet. Okay, well, can you throw us in those pigs then, and we'll jump off a cliff and die, right? He dealt with the demons he took out of the man called Legion, right? And they knew he had this power. He's the king. He's coming to take back the world from Satan. He's taking it back, okay? He's giving it back to his elect, new heavens, new earth. But notice again, he will deceive no more. Now, beloved, that's something to encourage us, okay? Jesus is the truth and will keep helping us. If you are in Christ, you are free indeed. Come, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Right? We are new creatures in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. But as we're on our pilgrimage, we're still struggling with that. Thank you. Um, but in heaven, among other things, there will no longer be temptation. Not only would we never be able to give in to it, we will not, because we'll be new spiritual bodies, completely redeemed in Christ. We wouldn't even be able to give in to it if we did. Wow, that alone is amazing. There won't be any temptation. There won't be that, I got to look away. There won't be that, I got to try not to do that. There got, help me, Lord. There will be no need to pray this prayer anymore. This is the prayer for pilgrims passing through this world in it, but not of it. Pray, protect me from Satan's influence and deceit. In heaven, he will no longer have any influence. He will have no nearness. And that's an incredible thing to think about. That's among many things why heaven's going to be great and amazing. Primarily because we'll be with Christ and we'll be God and with we'll be with God and with His truth and His light, but also there'll be no darkness. And I think that's related to why it says there'll be no more darkness in heaven, no night, because God is our light and the Lamb is the light. I think it's that idea of no more darkness, no more deceit, no more temptation, and what comes to that when we succumb to it. Okay. Um, uh, thank you, Abraham. I got a, a little notice. I'm running out of time. Uh, but I want to go a little further while we can. So consider his subtlety in tempting. So we're going to look at um, a couple of things about his subtlety as far as we can get. So he says this about his subtlety. He does not know the hearts of men, but he may feel their pulse, know their temper, and can apply himself accordingly. As the husbandman knows what seed is proper to sow in such a soil, so Satan, finding out the temper, knows what temptations are proper to sow in such a heart. As we saw before in the last study, he's a spirit, so he can speak into your mind. That's pretty scary, isn't it? And sometimes, as he said, we don't even know if it's our thoughts or his, right? Now, he doesn't know our heart. He's not God. But all he has to do is watch our behavior. We're so predictable, aren't we? <laughs> you know, And we all have our different temptations that are more powerful than others. We all have this or that. So we all have the habits and the pasts and things that have influenced that. And all I have to say is, pfft. again, he's experienced. Look at that. I can, look, oh, every time, boom. Got him, got her, right? So I'm going I'm to take this dart out of my quiver, this arrow. This is the perfect one to get him, right? You know, And... He, that's again why he's so subtle and crafty. He knows, he watches, he observes what is most likely to take you down or you down or you down or me down. He knows what's most likely to get you. And so that's where he's going to start. Right? And because he knows, unless you're really working on growing sanctification, keep your shield of faith up, he'll just buy the same, he'll just keep using the same ammo. Why would you try a different thing if the fish are biting? That's one of his illustrations he'll use later. <laughs> okay, uh, So that's one thing he says about subtlety. He observes and watches you, and he knows what you're so easy to get with. And you don't even see it coming because you're not paying attention to yourself like he does. right? 
Okay, then he says, he chooses the fittest season to tempt in. As a cunning, well, let's look at that other illustration first. He knows what kind of ground you are. We're all different, right? There's certain crop you grow in the Midwest, wheat. Why? Because of the kind of ground you have there, what grows best. But in the East, a lot of corn. I think that's what the renter said, corn everywhere, right? A lot of rain. He knows what's going to grow in your soil, and that's the temptation he's going to plant a seed for. Okay? He doesn't waste his time with stuff that you're not likely to grow, because we all have our different things, right? Different tendencies, different different particular issues. And he's going to go with what grows easy. Just like a farmer. It's smart, really, right? I'm not going to waste my time trying to grow a certain thing that's not going to grow in the soil and climate. I'm going to go with what works. Satan's the same. Okay, so very helpful illustrations here. So then he says, he chooses the fittest season to tempt in. As a cunning angler casts in his angle when the fish will bite best. So the devil can hit the very joint of time when temptation is likeliest to prevail. Not only is that, 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 that uh, dart coming fast, let's turn it into the image of a, of a lure fishing, right? He knows what lure you're most likely to bite. We're going to get to that. He also knows when you're most likely to bite. And the particular sin, certain time of day or night, you're the most likely to bite. Uh, uh, Mr. Renner, I know you're quite the angler. There's just certain times they're not biting, right? And you learn... When are they biting? And that's when you go. My understanding is usually when it's hot, they're not as likely, right? Or when we went to Big Bear a few years ago, by the way, I'm no angler. When I catch a fish, I'm like, thank you, Lord, I had nothing to do with it, you know? But um, I just tried throwing the worm and a little hook. But um, when we were at Big Bear, to get the trout, that time of year, they're only on one side of the lake. And there's a certain way you fish for trout in a lake. And when we got down there, there are these kids that drove all the way up from the mountains from L.A. or something to catch these fish. They were catching a ton of trout. I wasn't catching anything. But it was fun to watch them. Remember that, boys? They were catching a ton of trout. And that's where everyone was to catch trout. They weren't anywhere else. Why? Because that's where they are, and that's where they're biting. And it's got to be at a certain time, and it's a certain thing you use. But the reason they're there at that particular time of the summer is because of all the temperatures and everything. Well, Satan's the same way. Well, I know. I gotta, I'm going to go over here to get you. I know the right season. So he, he waits for the right moment to get you. And you just think you're about to buy a little something and go on. And <laughs> gotcha. Because he was waiting and it was fast. You didn't see it coming and he knew exactly where to get you. Abraham, did you raise your hand? Doesn't matter? Okay. Uh, I got a couple minutes, so let me close. Uh, now, he talks about different seasons, like when's the right season to get you. Let me see if I can move through them quickly. Uh, He tempts us in our first initiation and entrance into religion when we have newly given up our names to Christ. He is wont to attack more sharply at the first signs of conversion. When the first buddings and blossoms of grace begin to appear, the devil would nip the tender buds with the sharp blasts of temptation. At first conversion, grace is so weak and temptation so strong that one wonders how the young convert escapes with his life. Satan has a spite against the new creature. So what he's saying is, if you're new in Christ, or you're just newly coming back to Christ, oh, he's really going to go at you big time with temptation to make you say, who was I kidding? Why bother trying anymore? He's going to make you quit before you get started. He's going to make you try to quit trying to learn how to ride a bike because you don't even want to have to learn how to fall and skin your knee. He's going to make you quit before you even learn. Because you're going to learn, but he's going to make you think, I can never learn. I'm not going to risk it. I'm done. And what you need to know, now he's going to go after those in all kinds of ways. He's going to do it from every angle. But he's going to particularly try to tempt you to sin and fall so you give up and you're new in Christ. You You just don't believe there could be any mercy. And you say, why should I try? See, how stupid of me. When you're going to have a lot of people in the past, by the way, Satan speaking to you through them. By the way, he often speaks to the closest people in your family. He's going to try to convince you, yeah, what are you doing? I told you you weren't going to be a Christian. I told you this wasn't going to stick. Which, if I recall, Mr. Renner's wonderful testimony after 40, 50 years serving Christ uh, in the membership class, you can hear it online, about his conversion, honoring the Sabbath, and, and tithing. I believe at least three times you brought up somebody said, different people said independently, well, we'll see if this lasts. 
And honestly, I think that should be a track that you write. We'll see if this lasts. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, by the way, my understanding from Mrs. Renner later is some of those people are dead. So um, anyways, you got to recognize that, yeah, people are going to say, ah, we'll see if this lasts. This isn't going to last. Come on. Let's go back to the old watering hole. Come on. Don't, you don't need to go to church today. Come on. Let's go to the football game. Whatever it is. You know? it's just, he's especially going to attack you when you're young. Okay? Young in the faith, young in Christ. Or I would say our young children. I mean, what do the predators go after when they're following the animals? They'll go after the weak, could be the elderly, but they go after the, usually the young ones. They're the easiest to get and kill, right? So we've got to protect our young ones too, recognizing they need that special help and protection because they're young, they're more easily tempted, right? Okay, second season. So the first season is when you're, when you're new to Christ, when you're new to the church, Satan's going to tempt you never to come back. Even if you had a good time. He's going to throw something in there that says, I can't go back now. Okay, so, and of course you can, but he'll tempt you. No, you can't, and you'll believe him. Okay, second season. The devil tempts when he finds us unemployed. He's going to revisit this topic. Idle. <laughs> when we're not working when we're not doing things. Now, this isn't just employment in terms of funds to support family. That is part of it. But it's when we're, when we're not busying ourselves with the right things and important things, when we're laying around, you know, you're a pretty easy target when you're not a moving target. <laughs> right? Right? Um, he says, When the fowler sees a bird sit still and perch upon the tree, he shoots it. What's the best chance you're going to shoot a bird? Sitting on a tree. Not moving. Uh, Matthew uh, 13, 25. Jesus says, while men slept, his enemies sowed tares. Uh, he also gives us uh, 2 Samuel 11, verses 2 and 3. When David was walking on the housetop unemployed, the devil set a tempting object before him and it prevailed. And what was that? Where should David have been in those days? The kings went to war. Ah, David's starting to stay home. I don't think it's because he's too old to go, right? And so what's he doing? Oh, I'm walking around the rooftop. Oh, looky here. There's a lady naked bathing. I think I'm going to keep looking at her. Well, that wouldn't even be a temptation if he was where he belonged. By the way, a lot of times we're going to avoid temptations if we're where we belong whole armor of God, busy at war, spiritual, right? Go on the... Hey, if I can throw in a football illustration, my favorite football team, one thing they're learning, and they were watching like the, Ameri- the USA basketball team in the Olympics years ago, like they got the bronze one year, and one way they encouraged themselves to get the gold, and they did, was to go on the offensive, to attack first, to dominate. And so my team is... I mean, that's how they are winning their games. They're just beating people up and they're not playing messing around like they used to and they lose games in the past they don't take their foot off the gas until the game's over okay and by the way we're not over till we're in heaven okay and so they just and everybody's picking them to be the super bowl champs which i won't watch on the lord's day but on mondays and thursdays and saturdays i'm having fun and as you know some of you hear some of you hear too much about it but what's really amazing is it's a different team this year because they are coming to win and because they're coming to win, they don't wait to get started. And they're blowing people out of the water. Even with their backups, because so many are injuries, they're still beating the snot of people. Which was great for me, because the team they did that to recently, they beat my team years ago with their backups. And oh, did they like to make fun of us. So I'm not revenge, not bitter, but it was, it was it's just nice. It used to be embarrassing to be a fan of this team. Okay, I won't say, you know who to. Okay, uh, okay let me move on. Third season, I'm going to stop here. Uh, third and fourth season, and then it's a transition of topic. Thanks for bearing with me. I'm going to get ready for the darts, but I'm going to try to finish. Okay, this is a good place to start. When, third season that Satan knows to get us. So first, when we're young Christians, and you to the church. Second, hold them down, Rachel, hold them back. Second is, second is when we're idle and we're not moving and we're unemployed, we're lazy, and we're not about the spiritual things we should be. And he is going to talk more about like work. Okay. Third, he tempts... Uh, in a season when a person is reduced to outward wants and straits, the devil tempts him. Matthew 4, verse 8. Uh, Jesus Christ fasted 40 days and was hungry, and the devil comes and tempts him. When we're hungry, when we're spent, when we're weak, when we're tired, Satan often comes then, those seasons. 
And sometimes those are seasons of life. It's not just a day or a week. It's a period of time where we are wiped out and we are more vulnerable. Okay? Uh, and then the fourth season, we'll end with this, and then I'm going to pray quickly and run for my life because I see people picking up their pens. Okay. Sa- Satan tempts after an ordinance. Now, here's the thing. Matthew 4, verses 2 and 3 again. Jesus had been fasting and praying, and then the tempter came. A lot of times, it's right after we've had a lot of important spiritual time. Now, Satan, Jesus did not give in to the temptation, but Satan did it then strategically. Thankfully, Christ passed the test for us. But we got to recognize, if he's going after Jesus, he's going to particularly try to pick the most vulnerable times, right? He's the son of God. He's going to go after us as the sons and daughters of God at our vulnerable times. And one of them is right after we close our Bibles. Right after we're done praying tonight on our way home. We let our guard down. We've had our spiritual time and we kind of forget there's another arrow right now. Because you you think you're putting your shield down and going to bed. You're not in bed yet. (laughs) Okay? So that's another big danger. Uh, Those seasons. There's a lot more that's going to be said, but we'll close there. And uh, the next section is, why does Satan uh, choose time after an ordinance to tempt? We should think it to be the most disadvantageous time when the soul is raised to a heavenly frame. Why would he attack us? I've given you a little bit of a sense that he's going to explain more. And why do we want to learn these things? know our adversary and to know how to fight and protect ourselves, keep the shield up, and to know the dangerous times when we might let our shield down are the times where we particularly need to keep the shield up, the shield of faith. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would help us to have our shields of faith up, and we pray, Lord, increase our faith and help thou our unbelief, that we would be better prepared to have the defense against the arrows of Satan flying at us. Above all, let us keep our shields of faith up. And that faith belongs in you and in Christ and in our God, not even in ourselves. We are so in danger in ourselves. So we don't, we don't look to try to protect ourselves. We turn to you, Lord God, who are our shield, who are our very present help in trouble. We turn to you, our, who gives us shade, you who are our refuge. And we will be still and know that you are God. And pray that you exalt yourself as you do deliver us and show your power and glory to deliver from Satan in this world. Just as you did from Pharaoh, just as you did through the Red Sea, just as you did from Zion and Og, just as you did as you gave them Canaan. And so you will give us this world, will be our inheritance, and there'll be no tempter. Lord, how glorious to look forward to heaven. But give us more of this heaven and kingdom of heaven on earth. Give us more of this abundant life in the meantime. Lord, help us to grow in Christ and in our victory over Satan and victory over our own lusts. Lord, we pray together, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name and all your people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for not throwing anything at me. I'll try to keep getting better at it. Have a wonderful night. God bless you.